You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. Jesus is my sweet, sweet song. Is Jesus your sweet song? Give God a hand of praise this morning. Amen. Jesus is my sweet, sweet song because he shed his blood for my sins. We praise God for the praise team this morning and always for the songs that they bring to us each week, sacrifices it takes for them to practice and get things ready for Sunday mornings. Uh, this morning I bring grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who calls us into faith. Our gospel passage this morning is clearly linked with the one we studied last week. Imagine a scene in verse, verses 17 through 22 of last week. A very wealthy man had just turned his back on the Lord Jesus and is walking away. And in verse 21, Jesus told this man how he could be saved, but was to sell everything he possessed, and he was to give everything away to the poor. This act would give him real treasure in heaven, according to Jesus. By giving away all he had, this man would be accomplishing three things uh, in the text last week. One, he would be getting rid of his real gods and his wealth by doing so. Two, he would be helping those around him who were in great financial need. And three, he would be storing up true wealth in heaven, where it would never be lost, stolen, or ruined. And that we find in Matthew 6, verses 19 through 20, where Jesus spoke about this. Then Jesus told the man to take up his cross and follow him. This is a call for this young man to make a public, once-for-all commitment to die to self and to live for Jesus. When this young man hears the words of the Lord Jesus, he turns around and walks away. He chose his wealth over salvation. He chose his way over God's way. He chose eternal death over everlasting life. He chose the world over the kingdom of God. He chose hell over heaven. The disciples were probably excited about the prospect of this fellow joining their number. They imagined all that he could be with his wealth, power, and position if he had joined them. So they were excited about that. A lot of folks in our churches are like that too. When a wealthy, powerful individual comes in, they will be quoted or escorted because of what they can contribute financially to the ministry. And James warns us against this kind of mentality in the church. If you read in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, he talks about this mentality that the church ought not to do this. That the church belongs to all of God's people, no matter what class, what grade, what color, what creed, what race. No matter where they come from, the church belongs to them, and everybody ought to be treated the same way. 
Jesus had a somewhat different approach. Jesus was not impressed by uh, the young man's portfolio, uh, by, by his position in the synagogue, or by his prominence in the community. Jesus saw the man as he really was. He saw him as a poor, lost sinner in need of a savior. Jesus offered the man everlasting life, but the man chose eternal damnation and walked away from Jesus. When he leaves, Jesus uses the moment to teach his disciples about the danger of riches in this world. He teaches them a few truths that all generations will do well to take to heart if we take these truths to be our own. Today I want to look into these verses as I talk about the truth revealed here in this text. And so the, 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 the central point of our text this morning is the truth about riches. Let's look at the truth about riches in the text. In Mark 10, verses 23 through 25, reads, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is for, uh, uh, to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. As the rich young ruler walks away, Jesus looks around at his men and makes a, an astonishing statement. He says that people who possess the riches of this world will have great difficulties entering into the kingdom of God. The problem is not with a person having money. This is not the problem. The problem, let me say this one more time, is not with a person having money. The problem is when money, all right, when money has you, when money has the person, it's where the problem comes. It's not when the person has money, but when money has the person. The rich young ruler was wealthy, but he did not possess his riches. His riches possessed him, which is a totally different thing. This is always a recipe for spiritual disaster when our riches possess us. And so we read in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. People have walked away from God because of their love for money. And this is what the scripture is talking. The scripture is not telling us that money is evil, but it's saying, rather, that the love for money is the root of all kinds of evil. These uh, disciples were from a culture that showed financial prosperity as the blessing of God in a life. The Jews had got God's promise of prosperity and wealth as the thing to look at. 
If you read in Deuteronomy 28 verses 11 through 14, speaks about riches and money and how God wants to bless them, he says, if they do good. And so these are the kind of concepts that the Jews walked around with. The Jews were taught that riches and prosperity were from God. And you can read that also in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 12. Most Jews believed and still do believe that wealth, health, and prosperity were the blessing of the Lord in life. They carried this idea. <clears throat> they looked at the riches of Abraham. They looked at the riches of David. They looked at the riches of Job and Solomon. And, and all of their religious heroes had been very wealthy men. It no longer, no wonder they, they are amazed by this. And they are uh, amazed that Jesus would say to this guy uh, the words that he said to him when they were looking at his riches as riches that came from God to him. So when you think about what Jesus said, it really is an astonishing statement. Jesus senses their amazement and clarifies that he mean, what he means to, to the disciples. Notice how he says the same thing in a very tender and clear manner. First, he calls the men children. Jesus called, called these men children. Then he tells them that people who trust in riches will find salvation impossible. It will be like trying to stuff a camel through the eye of a sewing needle. Think about that. Some people have tried to soften the Lord's word by making them refer to a small opening in the wall of the city that was about four feet high and three feet wide, and they would say things like, when the, the came from the fields in the evenings to try to enter the city gate, and if the gate was closed, they had to uh, try to squeeze the camel through that hole, and that was the hole Jesus was talking about. No, 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 that's not what the scripture says. This text is literal. Jesus is speaking about uh, the eye of a needle. And he's saying that how difficult it is for a rich person to enter heaven. He says it is as difficult as trying to pass a camel through the eye of a real needle. That's what the text is talking about. In our world, riches are viewed as blessings. From God's perspective, riches are a handicap. Why? Often, those who possess much of this world's wealth come to trust in that wealth. They trust in that wealth. They come to believe that their money can buy them anything. They surround themselves with people who would not tell them otherwise. And this is why when a person rises up to certain heights in society and they move to a certain status in society, they move from a certain geographical area into another area that is going to suit their level of wealth. And they move from over here because the people down here don't think the way they think. And they move to where people think like them. And they try to act like those people in that area. So what they fail to see is that the money uh, become an object of worship. Every waking moment is spent thinking about the wealth and how would I spend it? How would I protect it? How would I increase it? What can the money do for me? It is all that they spend the time 
thinking of. I have a neighbor, a Jewish neighbor, who spends much of his time on the, 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 the computer, you know, watching the stock market. He watches that thing over and over, and every time I see him up there in that room at that little window, I know exactly what he's doing. He's watching the stock. And you see, people spend their the time doing those kind of things, trying to build up wealth. We don't realize that we are passing through, and what God has blessed you with is only a trust. You've been trusted. You're a steward of all that you have. You don't own it, folks. You don't own it. You have only been giving it as stewards, and God wants you to use it to, listen, his glory, to his glory, not to your glory, not to your benefit, but to his glory. Every waking moment of your life, every blessing that comes in your life and passes through your hands have been given to you from God for you to use to his glory. Because a time is going to come when your task is going to be up and ready. You're going to lay them down and walk away. We have to remember that as we walk through this life. This world is not our home. We are only passing through, my friends. If you don't remember that, look in the mirror every day. And your face will remind you and your hair will remind you that you are passing through. Give God a hand of praise this morning. People who seek salvation in their own resources will be disappointed at the end of life's way. They will find their money, their fame, their power, and their position cannot provide them with the one thing they need above other things. And that one thing is salvation for their souls. Salvation for their souls. The only people who will ever leave this world saved and ready for heaven are those who have placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him, listen, alone. In him alone. He is the only path to salvation. Acts 4.12 tells us that there is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. No other name. Only one name. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else. In first, uh, chapter 16 of Acts, verse 21, it says, Believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you and your household will be saved. Believe in the name of Jesus Christ, my friends. Don't believe in wealth. Don't believe in money. Don't believe in this cosmic system. Do not believe in God, but not in this atmosphere, because why? Everything in this space and time is passing away, including ourselves. We have to remember that as we walk this pilgrim's journey. He is the path to the Father. Jesus is the path to the Father. In John 14, verse 6, he says that, that he's going there to prepare a place for us. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, he tells us, for there is no one God and one mediator and the only one mediator between God and man is Jesus Christ. Our money cannot make it. Our wealth cannot make it. Our prestige cannot make it. Nothing in this world can make it. Only one person has settled the old account for us, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only one, my friends. He is the only one. The key word here is the word trust. What are you trusting in? What have you placed your trust in? The key word is the word trust. 
There is nothing wrong with having money, friends, possessions, and power. It is when these things become the object of our desire and worship that they become our gods. It is when we trust things instead of Jesus that we condemn our souls to hell. We cannot trust them. My friends, where is your trust today? As you sit here under the authority of my voice, where is your trust today? Everything around us, all other grounds, is sinking sand. And the only, the only ground that stands is that solid rock, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that we need to put our trust in. For all other ground is sinking sand. This passage ought to speak to our hearts today. We look around and say, why, pastor? There are no rich people here. There may be a few who are affluent, but most are just getting by. They're just getting by. What does this passage have to do with us? We are not rich. Well, folks, it has everything to do with us. I realize that uh, we may not have million years in our congregation. In fact, we probably don't have very many thousand years in our congregation. But I submit to you that we are all rich in this church this morning. Uh, we are rich, and, and, and here's why I say that. 56% uh, of the world's population, that is 3.4 billion people, live in extreme poverty. Extreme poverty, they survive on an income less than $730 a whole year. And for some of us, that's a week's income. And for some of us, that is less than a week's income here in the United States. But you have people living on this for a whole year. You are rich. You are in a better place. God has placed you in a better place. And you are better. And you need to give God praise for that. Give him praise this morning. We are rich here. We are very rich. And how, comparing our lives to this, we are all rich folks in this church. One of the major problems with wealth is that wealth can cause us to trust the wrong things in life. Here is the problem with riches. Look at some of the problems with riches. And as soon as I give you this, I'm going to go and sit down. All right? Now, the first thing is riches can become an idol in your life. Anything you ascribe worship to can become an idol in your life, can become your God. Your God is everything you give your worship to. Exodus 20 verse 3, God says, have no other gods before me. Listen to this. Have no other gods before me, God says. God wants to be first. He wants to be the object of your worship. He doesn't want us to worship anything else but him. What that means is we cannot use anything as an excuse for not worshiping God. Do you understand me? We cannot do that. We need to worship God at all times. I'm not talking about only coming to church on Sunday, but I'm talking about during the course of the week. In our daily decisions and the activities that we go through, we need to worship God in every decision that we take as we go through the course of the week. Worship God in the blessings that he has given to us, in the life that he has given to you, 
It is not only for Sunday mornings, my friends. It is for all times. The second thing to look at, riches can tempt people to hoard up what they have. There can be a strong temptation to think, to think what you have been giving is to be used to gain even more. And, 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 and some of us still have things store, stored up in our homes that we, never, we will never use until we get out of this earth. And every time we pass through the closet and we look at it, and it looks so good there. It's too good to give a giveaway. So why not just hang there? And you come back the next day and you sit there and you stare at it and you just feel so good. And it's just occupying that space. And you feel good about it. And many of us are doing that. And some of you are guilty right now because you know what I'm talking about. All right, and, and, and we, we are holding those things with the hope that we can do something better with it uh, later on. Folks, listen, if you can use it, give it away. Okay? That's a blessing. To bless others, you are blessed. That's how you store up treasures in heaven. Why are you trying to store it up here on the earth and you're going to leave it right here? Give it away. Did you hear me this morning? I said, when you go home, give it away. Give it away, folks. All right. And so this, here's another thing to look at. Riches can bring false trust. You might think your money can buy you everything. And even salvation. See, this is the mistake that, uh, that the church, the early church, Roman church, Catholic church did when they started to sell indulgences. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. Because next week, I think, is Reformation Sunday, right? Am I right? The following week? How many weeks in this month? Good, good goodness. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, so I'm so hacked about Reformation Sunday, and I'm thinking it's next week, but that's okay. But you see, this is what it is. They thought that money would buy salvation. And one of the bishops one time went up, and he put up this uh, poster telling people that the indulgence that they will get from paying a certain amount of money at this time was greater than even the blood of Jesus Christ. He wrote it and posted it. And people started paying money for that indulgence. You see how terrible that is? The whole church got quiet because that was crazy. People did that during those days because they thought money could buy your money cannot buy God's salvation, my friends. That's why he sent his son into this world to shed his blood. Because nothing could buy it. Nothing on the earth could pay for or satisfy God's justice. And so he let his son come into the world and die. And that's what Bible tells us. It is only by grace that we are saved and not by works. So don't go on boasting about the way you live and the things you do. It doesn't save you. Only one person saves you. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only his blood can wash our sins away, my friends. Only his blood. Let's look here. Riches can bind us too tightly to earth, to this atmosphere. Having too much of this world's wealth can cause all of our attention and affection to be focused on this world to the ex exclusion of heaven. We can do that 
and not think about heaven. In Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said it. Do not store up treasures here on the earth. He said, where moth and rust do come in and steal. He said, but store up your treasures in heaven where nothing is going to be able to corrupt it. That's where we store it up, in heaven. You see, every waking moment when you give to the, to the mission of God, when you give to the work of God, when you give to a, a person on the streets who are in need, the people on the street who are in need, and they're backing, and you, you stop your car. I always carry cash in my car, and I give it out to them, just as the Spirit will lead me to do that. And I have given out $20 to them. I don't worry about what they're going to do with it and all that stuff. That's not my portion. My portion is to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And when He tells me give, I give it to them. God wants us to do stuff like that. It's in the Bible. I'm not telling you stuff that's not in the Bible. He wants us to do that. He wants us to give to those who are in need. Give to the mission of the church. Give to the work of the church. Pay your tithes. Some of us love money or we let money control us so much that we don't tithe. We don't tithe to the church. And we think it's too much to give. And if we give $10, we think it's too much to give. Listen, the gospel is free. But the work of the gospel is very expensive. It is expensive to run the church. The church needs $10,000 a week to have a really good operation going on. And so your tithe is what makes that happen. And if we're not tithing, how are we going to do that? But the money is controlling us, and we are not controlling it. That makes it hard for us to take that tenth out and bring it to God. That's why it is hard, because your money, if you're not tithing, listen, it means your money is controlling you. Listen to this. Did you hear that? If you're not tithing, it means your money is controlling you. You don't have any control over it. It's controlling you. I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. All right? And we need to turn that around and begin to control our resources in the way God has blessed us to do so. So uh, another thing, riches often lead to other sins. Sometimes people with wealth come to think that there are no boundaries in their lives. They often begin to live in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord. Sin like pride, arrogance, insensitivity, and, and indifference, self-satisfaction, worldliness, feed off of their affluence, all right? And so they're not doing things to bring glory to God any longer because the money, they have money. And I have seen good Christians turn away from the faith because they had money. Because they got blessed with money. God gave them money. I don't care how they got it. It came from God to them. And they didn't use it wisely. They walk away let, let the money detect to their lives. I've seen Christians walk out of the church and walk into Hollywood and change into something else. I've seen it. And you have seen it. You know some of them. Because money becomes the root of all evil. Lastly this morning, riches can destroy the qualities that are necessary for a person to enter heaven. What are those qualities? Qualities like child-likeness. Qualities like teachability can suffer in the face of affluence. When a person becomes affluent, 
They cannot be taught anymore. They cannot humble themselves to a certain level anymore. All that is gone. And this morning, God wants us to be rich in him. I seek to be rich, but I seek to be rich in Christ. Not in myself, but in Christ. I seek not to allow money to rule me. I seek to allow Jesus to rule my life and not money and not wealth. Seek, Matthew 6, 23, uh, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you. God wants to add things to us, but the reason we are not getting those things is because of the way we are using what we already have. Are we bringing blessing and glory and honor to God by the wealth he's giving to us this morning? As God has blessed you, he wants you to be a blessing in return. God wants you to use the resources he's placed in your life, in the life of your family, to the glory and honor of his name. Why? Because this world is not our home. Remember that. We are all just passing through. And someday when we stand before him, he wants to say to us, well done my good and faithful servant. I pray that these words from the Lord this morning will encourage your hearts, but keep you steadfast in your faith, knowing always God will never bring you this far and leave you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.